Hey, let's jump right in to the passages for today. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. We're going to do all three. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That's Jesus speaking. So because of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Have you experienced persecution? I mean, just think through your life. If you made a decision to follow Jesus already, and if you haven't, welcome. You're in a great place to hear about the love of God and the gospel today. Uh, but those of you who have made a decision to follow Jesus, have you been persecuted for that faith? What can you think of? What are some of those moments? I, I can think of uh, being told or, man, you're just one of those Jesus people or uh, that's, I'm not religious and you're just doing that because you're religious or I've had those kind of moments. Um, maybe you've had a family member. I've prayed with open lifers who've been disowned by family members because they chose a Christian faith which is different than their upbringing. I've had students whose parents uh, were from other countries that it was a, an atrocity to the family that they became Christians when I was a youth pastor. I've experienced this in our country, but, but not like it's experienced globally. Depending on where you live in the world and maybe even tuning into this message, you may have been arrested, you beaten. You may have family members who've lost their lives, been beheaded, have uh, been a public display of persecution, but where open life is located in Bonnie Lake, Washington, we don't really experience or comprehend persecution regularly, do we? It's easy to read a passage like this and just, okay, let's move on to the Sermon on the Mount because uh, these three, well, like we really don't get this much. Yeah, maybe we get insulted, but that's about the extent of our persecution. And I think we need to pause and we need to really consider what is persecution? How should this impact us? How should these passages resonate with us? And, and uh, so we're going to dive in today. One commentary I was reading about these verses said perhaps or, or people may suffer from doing evil, but that is not persecution. That is due punishment. I think when we start looking for moments of persecution in our life and we think in our minds, I, oh, what was it? When did I experience this? Sometimes we can realize, well, I kind of, I probably brought that one on. <laughs> if you're thinking of different stories, like what this is speaking of is persecution brought on by the confession of faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, or the development of what we've been talking about in this series. This is a series for followers of Jesus. This is a series explaining characters that are developing within us because we've made a decision to invite Jesus into our life, to be our Lord and Savior and follow him and grow in a relationship with him. We've, we've decided to be Jesus' people, right? And that decision results in righteousness growing. And so Jesus is approaching this subject of being persecuted for righteousness, being persecuted because of our faith in Jesus. So right up front, Jesus lets everyone know 
in his teaching that he's about to give this extended sermon on the mount, he opens up and said, this is going to cost you something. This should cost you something to follow me. And he wants them to know persecution may come. In fact, for them, it would come. And for us, it does come in different levels, depending on where we're at in the world. Persecution happens today. And, and I think we can sum it up with our big idea today. Following Jesus causes friction. When we make a decision to follow Jesus, it's not all the skies get bluer and the grass gets greener. That was my experience. But it did instantly cause friction in my world. And it will for you. And now, years later, it still does. There's still friction. And friction defined is interesting. Listen to this. It's conflict or animosity caused by a clash of wills, temperaments, or opinions. I think we understand friction right now in the world today, especially if you're in the Seattle area, Washington. There's a lot of friction going on. We just have to admit in the U.S. alone, period. How about this definition? The resistance that one surface or object encounters when moving over another. Friction, right? Friction. Making a decision to follow Jesus is the best and yet the hardest decision you'll make. It's not going to be easy to follow Jesus. It's easy to say, okay, I choose to follow Jesus, but to follow Jesus. To let life around us allow us to grow versus just experiencing or focusing on the friction. Um, it elevates a person when we decide to follow Jesus to live life more fully. And those who have yet to decide to live life more fully, you just, you just came in at a different level and that causes friction. Let's look at it this way. Have you heard of the crab pot theory or the principle where crabs, if they get in a, a pot, a crab, I've never gone crabbing, so I'm really not an expert. There's somebody watching going, you're making this up. But no, I've read this. Uh, the crab theory is if one crab gets in a pot and a second crab gets in a pot, they're gonna, not going to let each other out because they grab the other crab and pull them down. They just keep pulling them down. And in life, we do that, not even intentionally. Oftentimes, when somebody's moving forward and we're not, that friction starts and we we do weird things to pull them down. We say things maybe just as an aside, but it, it might pull somebody back and keep them from moving forward. Even in the midst of friction, we can move forward if we don't let ourselves get pulled back. Now, introduce a little friction in there, then introduce a little influence from the enemy, little demonic influence, a little devil influence, right? And that's when persecution could very intentionally come. Somebody just adds a little fire and fuel to what already exists. And it can be very dangerous for followers of Jesus around the globe. So we're going to talk about some things we should know about persecution. The first thought is we need to be honest about persecution. We need to be honest with persecution. Persecution is real and more active today globally than ever before. It has many forms, all of which are valid, and some, though, are way more extreme than others. If you live all these characters out in Matthew 5, you're going to be persecuted. One of the commentaries I've been reading by Lloyd-Jones, it's just 
talking about the Sermon on the Mount and specifically the Beatitudes in the beginning section, he's, he's like, if you live out being a peacemaker, as we talked about for the last two weeks, you're going to get persecuted because you're going to find yourself in the middle. And when you're in the middle, you're going to get persecuted from both sides, potentially. Um, you know, other people around the world, if you're trying to be poor in spirit, you're going to get persecuted. If you're trying to take time to mourn, you're going to get persecuted. Just think about the qualities. If you're walking humbly, you're going to get persecuted for not being bold enough. There's, you get, you get the shots from both sides, but globally, uh, there's, there's martyrs for the faith. Um, what does persecution look like? And uh, I went and did some research. There's one organization called Aid to the Church in Need that had some of the most frequent data. Uh, globally, 327 million Christians face are currently facing persecution. 7%, that's 7% of the global Christian population. Every month, so picture this, Every month, 345 Christians are killed, and it's because of their faith in Jesus or not denouncing their faith in Jesus and changing their allegiance. So, like, wow, right? Somebody may call us a name or insult our shirt or tell us to put a hoodie over it if we're not supposed to have that on. But without regard to age or gender, um, people are being killed, 345 a month are killed just because they put their faith in Jesus. 219 Christians are abducted and imprisoned indefinitely without trial globally. And there's organizations existing to uh, go after that injustice, but 219 a month. 180 women and girls are raped, sexually assaulted, or forced into marriage because of their faith in Jesus. 106 churches are demolished globally every month because of persecution. It kind of puts things into perspectives when we're being honest with persecution and we're going, wow, okay, I, was, I may have been complaining or making a real big deal about this when, you know, when you... You put things into perspective and it kind of helps, doesn't it? You're not getting invalidated uh, by, by this talk, but I think it's good to have a healthy perspective. I mean, we need to count our blessings instead of throwing a pity party. Uh, you know, you're being told not to wear a certain shirt. That stinks, but you're not being killed. You're being flipped off when putting out A-boards to direct people to church. It's happened. I'm, I'm, I'm number one in Bonnie Lake multiple times. Anyway, uh, but I wasn't thrown in prison. You know, you're being made fun of for listening to worship instead of top 20 and you don't know the song or the artist. And they're like, where have you been? Right? Students, maybe that's happening to you. Uh, but your church didn't get burnt down. You're being encouraged to tone down your sharing about Jesus at work. Yeah, but you haven't been abducted. You're being told not to gather due to a global pandemic out of care for those that are most vulnerable around you. Spoiler alert, that's not persecution. That's precaution. 
We need to put things in correct perspective, right? These are very real things, but these are not what lands you on the list of martyrs. They're what strengthen your faith. Can we read James 1 together? James 1, 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, and we're, we're having troubles right now. Don't, I'm not dismissing our troubles, but we're talking today about persecution, right? When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Instead of trying to find an angle that allows you to shout, persecution, I'm being persecuted, you know, from the rooftop, why not find the angle of your troubles that allows you to grow? That we just take on a mindset, okay, I'm experiencing this. I must be in a season of growth. Okay, God, what are you trying to develop in me? The conversation's different here, right? When we find ourselves, our first unction, our instinct should be, okay, God, what are you trying to grow in me right now? Have you seen this image? I just want it to sink in. You know, when the light's shining at one side of this cylinder, you see a square. When the light's shining on the other side of this cylinder, you see a circle. But the truth is, it's a cylinder. I think sometimes we look at our persecution and, and we're going, God, I, I asked you for a circle and you gave me a square. Right? Or God, I asked you for a square and here I am. All I see is circles. <laughs> and uh, really he's like, what you need is a cylinder because you need balance. You need this perspective. I want to help you grow. And when troubles come and we find ourselves disagreeing with people and getting persecuted, the best thing we can do is pause. I think I've said that the last few weeks. We need to pause. We need to take a step back and take a look around and go, maybe there's a cylinder and I'm just seeing the other perspective. I, in the world right now, come on, this image makes sense, right? More than ever, you have to admit it. If you, if you can't admit this image makes sense, go back to the beatitude about being humble and then start over again. <laughs> Pick back up to here. We'll see you in a few weeks. You know, It's like binge watch the messages because we need to humble ourselves and let it grow is what James 1, 2 through 4 says. Now, I can't say that without busting in this. So let it grow. Let it grow. Anyway, it's coming to my head every time I read it or say it. So welcome to my world and my family's world. Pray for them. It's not persecution. It's just endurance they're developing. But uh, man, when, you are, when you're in the face of a moment where troubles, where you're thinking, man, this might be a perspective thing. Maybe I'm really experiencing persecution. The most important thing is to, to let our endurance grow. We take a step back and say, okay, this is an opportunity for me 
Thank you, God. Here I am. One point of clarity before we jump on to the next thought. This is in every commentary I read, they brought this up. So I want to share it, even though it's not one of our main thoughts today. It's a sub note on thought one, I guess. This persecution is because of our faith in Jesus and because of our righteousness. It's not religious infighting. Unfortunately, globally, persecution comes often, even the church burnings, they're church to church. It's a theological argument. It's a theological difference that results in quarrels and infighting. And this is specifically not teaching on that. In fact, Jesus taught on religious infighting later and uh and and the the rest of the new testament hits on it in spaces and often with rebuke because it's something that is incredibly destructive for our witness as followers of jesus when we're shooting arrows at other christians and we're trying to tear others down because they're doing something we don't agree with it absolutely 100 percent doesn't make sense and in almost every case, uh, that's not persecution. That's a lack of character development in followers of Jesus. And so we need to just be aware when we're talking about persecution. This is those who are anti-Jesus, anti-followers of Jesus that have made a decision to persecute, which is what brings up our thought too. Persecution is a response not a goal. Persecution is a response, not a goal. Some of us have equaled persecution with rejection or disinterest, uh, or maybe you could word it flip, right? We've, we've said disinterest or rejection is persecution, but it is, uh, you were ignored or shut down when offering to extend the love of Jesus or serve somebody because of your, you were inspired out of your love for Jesus because you were saved, you want to save others. And it's this moment where you extend it and somebody turns away your efforts. That's not persecution. Jesus is teaching about persecution due to your faith, not your timing or your methods. And so we need to be aware that persecution is a response. We'll know it's persecution when somebody's intentionally initiating. Maybe you, we should say it like this. Uh, we could be so bold as to call this unsolicited persecution. Persecution when we didn't do something that was tactless to initiate an offense. When brainstorming this, for the talk today, we were walking through different words for our thoughts and uh, persecution is a response, not a goal. Perse persecution is a response, not your goal, our goal. And then we were like, is a reaction. And we started this dialogue, reaction or response. Uh, reaction is spurred on by an action. It's a reaction. And what persecution is, is an intentional response more often than not. This could be, uh, reaction could be like the guy carrying the, the Turner burn, uh, God hates you signs with the megaphone. And it's 
the big, if you've gone to a sporting event, uh, maybe it's like this in other cities. I know it's like this in Seattle, Bellevue. I've gone to the, the Christmas snow thing in downtown Bellevue. Uh, I've gone to Mariners games. Why? Because the tickets were probably cheap. Anyway, I've gone to sporting events and this guy's there with a megaphone. And if you notice the stick that he's carrying around that's holding the megaphone is also holding cameras all around. Why? His goal is your reaction. I don't think his goal is actually to help you know about Jesus. It's to confront your sin, right? And although I don't use those methods, his methods are bringing a result where he needs cameras for safety and all that. Persecution is a goal for some. They see that as a tactic, a method. But response is when you get persecuted just for being a Christian. Like or, or a response is what you get when somebody intentionally says they became a Christian and now because of that, I'm gonna make their life harder, I'm gonna insult them, I'm gonna come against them, I'm gonna attempt to discourage their faith, I wanna derail this path they went down. Listen to the way Peter encouraged the disciples in 1 Peter 3.14. Even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. 1 Peter 4, 14 and 15. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. Isn't that exactly what Jesus taught in this teaching? Blessed are you when you're insulted. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. So Peter's saying, again, the same thing. If you're going to suffer for the name of Christ, that's persecution. You're blessed. If you're going to do things and then suffer, that's maybe because of what you're doing. So let's be careful not to do things and bear a reaction. Let's not make persecution our goal. Let's make sure persecution is a response because we're just being faithful to Jesus and we're growing in our characters, our Christ-likeness, righteousness, and therefore we get attacked. That's persecution. Thought three, unrestricted joy should be our response to persecution. So now let's flip the perspective. Now let's talk about us. Our response should be unrestricted joy. Acts 5. Now we referenced uh, Stephen and the, the early church and the persecution that impacted them and the scattering and just all that happened there. But let's go a little earlier than we looked at in Acts. Acts 5, the new churches, the early church is like brand new. And they're sharing Jesus was crucified and rose again three days later. And it's really upsetting everybody because that's not what's been taught for generations. And he's saying, you crucified Jesus. And so they're pretty offended. It's very personal. So they're sharing the gospel. They get arrested. Peter gets arrested, thrown into to jail. And, and an angel of the Lord shows up releases them from prison, takes them to the town center and says, continue to preach the gospel, the resurrected savior. And so what do they do? The next day they're preaching. 
And the rulers who had thrown them in prison go to prison to find them and they're not there. And they ask, where are they? And then they hear they're in the city center preaching. Well, how is this possible? So they take them by force again, bring them before the people and ask them, what in the world are you doing? And this discourse takes place and they want to persecute, they want to kill them. Uh, but a guy says, don't kill them, let them go and listen to what they say in Acts 5, 41. You should read all of Acts 5. It's an incredible read. It says this, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Well, we're preaching from house to house that has internet right now. <laughs> Isn't that true? And we're looking in the same gospel message of hope, but we need a spirit that rejoices in trouble and not one that's just so quick to say, I'm suffering this, stand with me, come on. This is wrong, let's stand against, let's get You know, and anger's not being stirred. Persecution should not spark depression, anger, gloom in the follower of Jesus. It's supposed to spark rejoicing and not just a happy contentment, but such joy that you have to jump up and leap in joy, unrestricted, uninhibited joy. Do you have that when you face trials, when you face hard times? Can you find the joy? Are you allowing yourself to grow into the joy so that your response is joyful? As we have touched on throughout these characters of Christ, there is no entitlement here. As a follower of Jesus, we're laying our lives down. We're poor in spirit and we're laying our lives down as followers of Jesus. And they didn't scream from the prison, this is not right. Let us preach. They walked out faithfully along with the process God led them through and they ended in rejoicing. That's challenging to me. It's countercultural to our world today. This is not a challenge on what to do in the face of injustice. Let me be clear because of what our world's going through. God is for those who are suffering injustice. I'm not talking about just sit back and suck it up and deal with it because that's not what God teaches. In fact, he's going to come along those and he is going to bring retribution and vengeance and justice. Very clearly in scripture, he says we need to let him handle that. This is about being the one targeted with persecution, not injustice. And our response in that instance should be unrestricted joy. The disciples display unrestricted joy over being counted worthy of the faith. They joined a great company of prophets of old when they were persecuted and they were emboldened, not enraged. So I just want that to sink in. Our action point is pretty simple today. Endure persecution righteously for Jesus. Endure persecution righteously for Jesus. We need to allow, let's take this bold teaching and set our mind in unity with the Spirit of God that's boiling up these characters within us, right? 
And when we face persecution of any kind, troubles of any kind, let's respond with unrestricted joy. Knowing our eternal reward is incredibly great. Knowing that we're being grown, it's an opportunity. I want to end with this passage before I pray. Matthew 24, 9 says, You will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. Jesus teaching his disciples, right? That's great news. Sign me up, Jesus. We don't usually do the altar call, you know, the response to follow Jesus with this passage for a reason. But let me just throw it out here this week. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and, the, and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. I hope you have an endurance mindset today because we can endure persecution righteously for Jesus. And they will come. Persecution of some sort is going to come. I just pray that we'll be the ones that will come through the other side and make the gospel clearly evident to all. Can I pray for you today? God, I thank you for everybody who decided to open up Open Life Online and watch this service. God, I pray that you would come alongside of their experiences of persecution and grow them into such an incredibly joy-filled follower of Jesus. God, if we bear persecution for being a follower of you and for growing in these characteristics and the Beatitudes and growing in our righteousness, let it be so. And God, may we do it with a mindset of being blessed, being a great company, and our reward in heaven is only in our imagination as to how blessed we'll be by following you faithfully. And God, for some who tune in today and have yet to make a decision to follow you, I pray they would just, let's cross this line. This, this living for you is so much bigger than just a decision. It's a daily moment of growth where we grow our relationship with you and, and life's hardships can be a blessing in relationship with you, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. So, so if you're here and you haven't invited Jesus into your life, do it now. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you the rest of my days in Jesus' name. Help us be the followers that are found to endure and make it through all the troubles and persecutions that would come so that we can make your name so purely known to the world around us, no matter what comes our way. If it's brought on by our faith in you, Lord, here we are. Make us get through to the other side in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being in this. Think about, think about this question. I'm going to leave you with a question that we talked about right before hit and record. If you were arrested for your faith in Jesus, if you are in some place in the world and somebody finds out you're a Christian, you get accused of sharing the gospel and you're imprisoned, how long would you endure? Tough thoughts, aren't they? Well, Hopefully today encouraged you. 
that you're going to endure until eternity. Hey, blessed are you. We'll see you next Sunday.